bit. Um, like, I have a few dissents around locally that I do quite a lot, and they're probably dissents I would say I'm not um, customarily very comfortable with, but they're ones that I've done so much that I feel really comfortable with them. And, and it's great coming down those because it's, um, it's a real way of sort of training your brain to, to not kind of see rocks everywhere and sort of freeze up. Um, so I do do a bit of like, I'll just kind of push a bit harder on those descents because I know what's coming ahead. Um, I think it's a good way to like, just sort of get more confident and let the brakes off where you otherwise wouldn't. And, um, and also I think one, one thing that's really useful is like, reps where you have an uphill a downhill and then a flat so kind of like you could picture it as like a triangular loop where um you push the uphill and the downhill and then recover on the flat because one thing as a mountain runner you really need to be able to do is descend fast when your legs are completely knackered like it's no good just being a good descender when you're completely fresh and there's a huge difference because your coordination really goes out the window and um, you know if if you're really tired and you haven't trained that at all um, that, my friend, was Sarah McCormick. And this is the Inspiration Runners Podcast. Hey everyone, how's it going? My name's Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. In this episode, we unpack the 2019 World Championship Race Series where Sarah was crowned World Champion whilst representing her country, Ireland. We relived the Snowden race, which was arguably the most exciting race of the season, where Sarah narrowly beat Elisa Sortini with a time of 1 hour 14 minutes and 49 seconds for the 10-mile course, which includes the 1,085 metres ascent to the summit. We discussed the ascending and the more difficult descending techniques and what it takes to become a world-class mountain runner really enjoyed recording this episode if it would have went on any longer i think i would have signed up for sarah's online training course found at www.missinglinkcoaching.co.uk before we start i'd just like to give a shout out to the sponsors of this episode xl sports they have an epic event coming up on the 1st of june the wide atlantic way 500 kilometer virtual challenge it starts tomorrow but don't worry if you're late in registering there's plenty of time to complete the challenge each entry receives an event t-shirt, medal, buff, and more importantly, a 15% discount to all of Excel Sports events in 2021, which is an epic package, so make sure you click in and join us. Without further delay, I bring you Sarah McCormick. Yeah, no, it's been okay. How's it been with you? Um, it's been good, actually. As I say in there, I live on the foot of the Mons Lake, so there are a few mountains that are very, very close in. So I'm still able to get a lot of climbing in. Like the last time I was out, I did nine miles and had 5,000 feet in it. So sort of spoil, yeah. it, spoil it in this area as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I get a lot of messages from that kind of, he's always sending me photos from his training in the morning. So he's always having a good time out there at the scenes. Yeah, he's an awesome local runner. We actually had him on the podcast, I think a couple of years ago. Like, So he'd done amazing as well in the World Championships yeah. in the Snowden race coming, well, he came fourth overall, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did really well. Yeah, he's just going from strength to strength. Yeah, and he's a very young age still, like, so he's still got a huge career ahead of himself. So I do want to, yeah, I do want to unpack the sort of, the world championship series from last year, but I just want to strip it back a little bit, just so people have a little bit of information about yourself. Um, you've always had a bit of a background in running. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I was doing more like cross country in school. Um, was it, did you have any influence when you were younger? Were there, was there a lot of your friends running? Were your parents involved in anything at all? What sort of influenced you towards that? Um, yeah, a bit of both. Like my parents were both runners. Um, my dad played a lot of football, so um, we got into football as well. And so yeah, it was always a bit of both. And then and then as I got into kind of secondary school, um, I just made most of my friends through the cross country team and the track team. And when it came down to kind of not really having enough time for both. Um, yeah, I just kind of stuck with the running and I wasn't particularly good in high school or anything. It was just, we just had a lot of fun. Um, you did enjoy the cross country at what stage then? Cause you, I'm assuming then you went off to a university. Um, at what stage then did you, did it become more than fun? I suppose. Um, yeah, university at first I, I wasn't, I went to uni and I wasn't running and then I just thought, 
you know, because it, it, the I went to Michigan State University um, in America, and I just, you know, thought maybe the the cross country team I probably wasn't good enough to get on, and then eventually I just built up built up the courage to kind of actually see if I could get on the team, and and um, yeah, I think they may, maybe needed to make up numbers or something because I, <laughs> I I was kind of out of shape, but but I managed to make it up on the team, and um, and that really transformed my training to just being in that kind of a culture where people are taking it a lot more seriously and 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 they have kind of you know full-time coaches to look after you and strength coaches and physios and stuff that definitely um kind of changed my approach to things even though still I wasn't really like particularly good within the team I definitely wasn't one of the top runners or anything um but I learned a lot about kind of how to how to develop as a runner yeah were you competitive at all back then um, I think I was definitely, I was definitely keen to improve. Um, I just remember I was doing uh, biochemistry at uni, and I just remember kind of really struggling to have the time to maybe go for the running as much as I wanted to. And that degree just just ended up being, you know, demanding a lot of your time. And um, and I I just remember kind of wanting to be able to put more into the um, running but I'd be be up all hours studying for that so um yeah I, I kind of I don't think I maybe got as much out of my running at uni as I could but I definitely you know was really keen to to try and improve yeah that's that's a real key secret isn't it even now <laughs> through all of life and um, when you get a job etc trying to maintain that balance you know and that yeah. you're not getting exhausted that you can get good workouts and really start to build momentum out of that um so when you were in uni then, did you, like, were you road running as well as your cross country? I was doing, like, uh, cross country in the autumn and then track in the um, in the spring. So we do quite a lot of road runs as training, uh, but we didn't actually compete on the roads. Yeah, do you find the track then give, was giving you a real good base in pace? Yeah, definitely, yeah. It was just, I mean, just being on a team like that, you know, it's so great for your training sessions. You've always got someone to chase and you've always got someone breathing down your neck and, and they're your good friends as well. So it, it was, um, it was a really positive kind of way to, to train. And, uh, yeah, like I think my best time for 5k, um, during that period was like 18 and a half minutes. So it wasn't like, um, setting the world on fire or anything, but it was, it was it was a big improvement for me um just being pulled along by other people and um, so yeah it was it was definitely a really really useful experience at what stage then did you get into mountain running then can you remember your first mountain your mountain race yes i can because i was really nervous um i was so nervous i was just especially about the descents i just didn't i didn't want to be getting in people's way and holding them up and um and i remember <laughs> i had breakfast before the race and and I probably shouldn't have done because I was so nervous. I had to stop about a mile in to bring it all up again. I just, I could not, <laughs> I just, I was convinced I was going to be dead last. And, and I was really worried about having to walk because I kind of didn't realize like, oh, it's no big deal. Like it's, you know, a lot of times better than running for getting up a steep section and stuff. So yeah, I definitely wasn't a very confident runner for my first hill race. Yeah, that, that's one of the beautiful things about hill hill running, isn't it? Because I do the actual hill and da dales races here in the Mole Mountains. And I just love those steep ascents because I just get to stop and walk up them because you, you can't do anything yeah. else. You know, and the road runners are yeah, like, yeah. how do you run to the top of that mountain? We're like, well, don't tell anybody. We don't actually. <laughs> you actually walk them <laughs> steep ascents like, and you can be glad of them when you hit them sometimes. Your heart is just pumping out your chest. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Like in 2017, after... A few years of mountain running I um went to do the Reading half marathon and I just like it just it was so relentless because obviously it's quite flat and just trying to maintain a single pace for the entire race I, I'd just become completely unaccustomed to it and I I was like this is awful this is way worse than a mountain race there's no <laughs> left up, there's no not, nowhere to hide if you've gone off too fast and, and um you know yeah it wasn't it was pretty boring as well <laughs> as races go like i just it's not engaging when once you're used to kind of up and down and and all the different you know um types of terrain and everything so um yeah it was it definitely wasn't my type of race anymore 
because that, that's the thing about mountain running isn't it it's very your mind's very active and what's happening like you're always looking where ahead of you you're looking at other people you're trying to get a very quick glimpse of the scenery as you rush past as well you've just hit the summit like you can't but yeah. take a very quick look even if it is a split second and yeah, then yeah. it's like jumping down the slide it's the downhill descent then and depending on yeah. the race and the environment and the terrain and the people that are around you it changes so dynamically doesn't it yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it's really good and, and um it's really tactical. Um my my training buddy, um, Scout Adkin and I this morning we were on a run talking about that, just how, you know, if you've got a race that's like got quite a flat run in and you're you're stronger on the flat, do you do you kind of use that to your advantage or do you try and save yourself for the bit that you know you're gonna struggle on relative to the other runners and and just the way that every single race is different and you can kind of go in having looked at the profile and looked at who else is running and think you might know who's like how other people are going to approach it and that sort of thing. And half the time, none of the things that you think are going to happen, happen and, and that kind of thing. And, and that's what's so great about it is it's so much more varied and interesting. You do that? Um, I mean, it's like, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's just, I mean, a 5K is great. It's really great training. And, and that, that relentlessness of maintaining the same pace is brilliant. But, but yeah, there's just so much more out there, isn't yeah. there? But a 5K is hard, though, isn't it? Like, it's a horrible <laughs> distance. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it, just eyeballs out from the start. Like, you're lucky if you can get a breath a mile. And you're just trying to hold the person in front of you. And yeah. it's from start to finish. Like, it's a relief crossing that finish line. There's no nice experience in between the start no. and the finish like apart from the only good thing is then if, if your time is good then oh yeah that was a brilliant race <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's all it's all sort of retrospective fun like i did a few of the british milers club 5ks over here where they have um pacers so it's there's no like prize for the winner or anything it's all about just trying to get a pb and they have pacers and you know um you go out with a uh, uh, group of people who are all aiming for a very similar time to you and you're in a big group and you just try and hang on and and I think my PBs that I got were almost like perceived peer pressure of not wanting to be the person who fell off the group more than anything else but it's great because it's like you're all in there with the same goal and you're all you're all hanging on to the same thing they're really cool and how, how do you find those type of races then transfer over to your mountain running do you think it's important yeah definitely I think like um one of my best performances at the World Mountain Running came like a, a week after um, a really good 5K. That I think it was a British Miners Club 5K. I think it's like getting that kind of speed endurance to just um, stick at a pace and, and really hang on when you feel like you can't. Like I remember in those 5Ks being on the second lap of 12 thinking there's no way I can do this. And I think it's like that yeah just training that like muscle fiber recruitment pattern in your brain um there's such a massive stimulus to the, the body that like you can't help but benefit from them as well it's giving you that opportunity as well to tell yourself to shut up isn't it it's putting you into that dark yeah. place it's like oh yeah. just shut up because you do know it's the same cycle every time you're like you know, you get to 2K and you're like, I can't hang on to this. There's absolutely no way. But you have to go through the motions of that and listen to the rubbish that you're telling yourself. And yeah. <clears throat> the more you can get yourself into that place when you're racing, the more you can exercise that as well. It's equally important, the mental resilience, I suppose, as it is trying to hang on to everybody. With the 5Ks, like the park runs are great. Like you're never going to yeah. do that in training. You know, as much as yeah. you want to push yourself and hang on, it's a huge opportunity, like um, especially if you've got a, a really difficult park run course or something like that, to try and get that into your training strategy, to try and yeah. build that pace. At what stage then did you see? So the first race, breakfast came up. <laughs> um, did that happen in the second race? Or did you no. progress very, very quickly in your mountain running? Um yeah, a bit of a bit of a mix. Like I remember in that first race, I did have a few people ask because it was very narrow single track on the way down and it was quite steep. And I did have a few people have to ask me to if I would step in so they could get by because I was all right at the climbing, um, but I couldn't. I, w I was completely inexperienced on the descent. But they were really polite and really nice and like it was all fine. So then, so I really wasn't like um, so nervous after that anymore because uh, like, 
everyone who's done a mountain race knows how how welcoming and friendly people are there um but yeah i think my my climbing definitely came on um at a decent rate but uh i think with the descending when you're when you're just not used to running on technical terrain that's something that can be a lot slower um to develop like i'm not a particularly coordinated person especially so um i i think that's definitely been a, a progression over a number of years to to be able to hold my own on the downhills and how do you progress that is it something that you can focus on and use different techniques and styles or is it just experience or is it a combination of everything yeah i think like the first few places i lived while i was a fell runner were mostly quite grassy like i was in the peak district between manchester and sheffield and then um and then i moved up to the scottish borders so they were both like really rolling kind of hills for the most part and i just really didn't develop um many skills on like rockier stuff so um anytime if i was racing in the lake district that was a real challenge for me um and now now living here i'm able to get out on stuff that sort of is what i need to be working on and i think more than anything it's um just time just time doing it even at a very easy intensity and I do find it's really useful to run behind someone who's more confident on their descents and just like follow where they yeah. and you kind of develop that like confidence as well. Yeah, like I have no confidence in downhill. I actually, I tore my, uh, my left ligament last year and my right ligament this year. Um, both times, by the way, I wasn't on the mountain. <laughs> I was running on the flat, oh. taking the dog for a walk. It's just sod slow. Um, but when we were doing the Hill and Dales races there, uh, you know, the stronger I got, you know, when you get to the very top, they, they give you a count of where you're at. And like, I'm always trying to get in around a count of 80, say <laughs> they count 40. I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> you know, I have to stand out the way now. I'm way too far forward here now and let these mad people go down. Um, cause at the pointy end of those races, like it appears that these people have a death wish. Like they just throw themselves off the mountains and just hope that they land in the right place. Um, but it's yeah. but it is more calculated than that isn't it it's confidence really yeah i think there's a lot of confidence and a lot of strength that goes into it and, and like when i was um you know in my earlier years of of fell running and um you know i'd get i'd lose a lot of places on the descents and people would say oh you just have to relax and you have to turn the brain off and <laughs> and i really don't think it works like that you know it's a very like it's not it's not something you can consciously do like your brain will relax if it's comfortable in that situation and the only way it's going to do that is if it's a situation you've been in many many times before so you know there's almost an implication that you're um a wimp or you're scared of something if you're not taking the brakes off on the downhill and i don't think that's it at all i think it's just either you've done enough descending to develop those kind of movement patterns and that that strength to manage the the eccentric forces of landing or you haven't and and it's not i don't think that is there's as much of a a bravery element as what some people try and sort of make out that there is i think it's just it's just experience and i mean there's definitely some people who are unbelievable descenders and there's a there's an element of fearlessness of course um but i think you know people will try and try and make out that you're being a wimp and, and it's just more that you know you just need a bit more time yeah. But in the mountain running scene, as you pointed out there, the communities may not be like um, what people perceive it to be. Um, I've got a book here, The Feet in the Clouds, which I'm reading for about the fourth time. And if you read that book, there's these gnarly yeah. mountain runners, like, do you know what I mean? They're out for the death wish. Um, what you will find, it has the scene has changed over the last 30 or 40 years with more and more people. Because it was very unique back then, obviously. It was a lot of gnarly beardy sort of runners coming down the mountains blood all up and down their shins and bones hanging out <laughs> but um when we touched on confidence there one thing that i've sort of learned because i'm only sort of relatively new to mountain running myself is kit and it's like so I, i've been running down fells with a pair of speed goats on it and it feels like i've been skiing half the time <laughs> yeah um but they're uh, an important part of downhill racing as well aren't they getting the right shoe for yeah, the right yeah, terrain yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, being able to feel what you're stepping on 
uh, without, you know, bruising your metatarsals at the same time um, and the grip as well. Yeah, I think a lot of my initial, my early fell training runs in road shoes and kind of knew that grip would help, but didn't realize the extent to um, the difference it made. Yeah, because you talked about your confidence and your mind being settled. Like I just moved to the Innovate Graphites, um, mm -hmm. the 260s. And coming down fells that I would normally run down or slip down, you're always conscious, you're waiting for that slip. But these things yeah. just lock, you know, they're yeah. absolutely amazing. You're like, geez, why have I not been running these in the last two years? Like, and you can feel your mind let go a little bit because it's building yeah. more confidence in the kit that you're using. So it sort of relates to what you were talking about. Um, on the downhill aspect of it then, do you, because people talk about ascent all the time. It's ascent, ascent, ascent. Um, we're starting to learn that it's the descent that causes the biggest trouble. Like it's very rarely you're going to fall going uphill. So you, you're just, yeah. you're full gas going uphill, your heart pumping out your chest. Like, um, do you actually train coming downhill then? Do you take certain training routes and think, oh, that's a good downhill descent to train on and actually go and practice that? Yeah, a small bit. Um, like I have a few descents around locally that I do quite a lot. And they're probably descents, I would say, I'm not um, customarily very comfortable with, but they're ones that I've done so much that I feel really comfortable with them. And, and it's great coming down those because it's, um, it's a real way of sort of training your brain to, to not kind of see rocks everywhere and sort of freeze up. Um, so I do do a bit of like, I'll just kind of push a bit harder on those descents because I know what's coming ahead. Um, I think it's a good way to like, just sort of get more confident and let the brakes off where you otherwise wouldn't. And, um, and also I think one, one thing that's really useful is like reps where you have an uphill, a downhill, and then a flat. So kind of like you could picture it as like a triangular loop where um, you push the uphill and the downhill and then recover on the flat. Because one thing as a mountain runner, you really need to be able to do is descend fast when your legs are completely knackered. Like it's no good just being a good descender when you're completely fresh. And there's a huge difference because your coordination really goes out the window, um, you know, if if you're really tired and you haven't trained that at all, um, as I've found in the past. Yeah, like the, the mountains I'm training on at the minute and the moans are very up and down. And my body goes into shock. You know, you're trying to come down and then bang, you're straight up again. <laughs> you know, your body's in shock and then you're straight down again. Like, yeah. Um, but it's getting your body used to the terrain that you're about to race in. I suppose that's the yeah. key point definitely yeah and that's one of the interesting things as well is like um you know over the course of a mountain running season you you could have something like a few races that are like 5k and 300 meters of climb and some races that are like 20k and you know 2000 meters of climb and and um that's the real challenge i think is trying to prepare for for loads of different almost different disciplines at once you know there's a huge difference between like the, the short category and the long category fall races over here yeah and the actual terrain so you get some races are just purely uphill um, yeah do you like those races better then um i i wouldn't say i like them very much but <laughs> i think they're a fantastic way to get fit really fast um and especially for me where like I'm I'm quite happy running on gradual uphills, but I I struggle on the steep ones. So they're just like a really good way for me to to improve on those. Um, but yeah, I think I I tend to to prefer the up and downs really. What would you what would be what would be your best tip then for training up? Um, I like lots of things with like continuous uphill reps. So where your um your recovery is uphill as well. So you could do something really <laughs> like um like 15, I think we put something similar to this in the Imra lockdown challenge, but it would have been on the flat for most people. But um, you can do like 15 by one minute hard, one minute easy um, going uphill the whole time. Um, and like one minute uphill can feel like a really long time. So yeah. if you're doing that 15 times, uh, you really have to think about your pacing. And it's a great sort of VO2 max session um, with some like real strength endurance built in as well. So how do you, that's a key point then. So how do you control pacing? Like, especially like if you have a flat piece coming into the uphill, um, like it's very, sometimes you can get carried away there and already blow the gasket before you hit the uphill. And it's a very 
difficult thing to balance. Yeah. Again, is it experience or like, are you planning before you actually go into that event? Okay, I need to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I think sometimes um, if it's a really kind of strange course, like I did one race in Italy last year that was like 10K with only about 300 meters of climb. And then you hit a 900 meter climb. So it's like really fast for, a, you know, a good length of time followed by a massive, massive climb. Um, and I just try and think about how I want to feel at certain points in the race, you know, um, and like, I, you know, particularly focusing on like, I want to feel kind of just like I'm relaxed and I'm this and that. Or, or if it's on the other hand, like um, I did a, another race in Italy last year that was like, three uh three miles um with about 400 meters climb up and down so it's like the entire ascent is done and done and dusted in about 16 minutes um and i was in my head i'm like i don't want to feel relaxed at any point in this ring i need to just because it's going to be over so fast and i don't want to be looking back at this thinking i should i shouldn't have saved anything at the start so yeah I, i think i just try and picture beforehand what what I want to feel like at, at different points in the race. Yeah, it really sort of comes back down to experience and being really in tuned with yourself, doesn't it? Yeah. And what condition yeah. you're in and what you're able to put out and what you're able yeah. to withstand and sort of staying within that parameter. Like, because if you go in the red too quickly or too late, even, then it is just yeah. too late. So, it, yeah. I suppose that is one thing about mountain running as well, apart from everything else you've talked about. You really do sort of learn a lot about yourself, don't you? Yeah, yeah, you do. And I think especially uh, those BKs, actually, like the uphill only races, um, I think were a real confidence builder for me because they're all about hanging on. And, and sometimes when, when you do hang on in a situation where you're thinking that you can't, you look back on that and you're like, okay, I've kind of recalibrated what I can push through. Um, and you kind of remember that in the next race, you're like, okay, I feel pretty crap right now, but this happened the last time and it was, it was fine. I just need to like stick in here. I think, yeah, you do with, with, and I still don't get it right every time by any means, but you do kind of learn, learn a lot more about pacing as you go along. Yeah. Do you, please tell me you still have the negative talk that us normal mortals have <laughs> like, yeah all the time i have a point in most races where i think i'm gonna dnf like <laughs> i think that it's and and you know i do quite short races so there's usually like barring a head injury or something there's not really any excuse to dnf but it's just like you just have to know like before the race you have to think okay i know at some point i'm gonna want to stop and this is gonna feel awful so when you get to that point you think oh well i knew i was gonna feel like this so that means things are going to plan (laughs) i knew i was gonna feel terrible so things must be going to plan perfect yeah what about your because balance is a a thing i'm back in the mountains now back to work um it was great being off for a few weeks there actually you know had loads of energy and I was absolutely loving the mountains. Now I'm back to work and the mountains are becoming more of a struggle again. And balance is a key thing. Um, is that something you focus on, you know, your, I suppose, overall well-being, like from sleep, nutrition and things like that? Yeah, I mean, um, I was on a, a coaching course over the last week and and one they showed one graph, which I found really interesting, which was like, um, in the probability of getting an injury in a given year based on your average um, number of hours of sleep at night. And like, it was, you know, it was twice as high if you're only getting like six hours a night um, compared to if you're getting eight, but even even between eight and nine hours, there's a big jump in um, your sort of injury resistance. If you, which I don't know of anyone who, who gets nine hours of sleep every night, but I do try and um, try and yeah, get as much sleep as I can and um it's definitely with the with lockdown and everything everyone's schedules have changed and and we've all got a bit more or most people have got a bit more time to play with um yeah so it's definitely yeah put a bit more balance into things because I think like most people can can get too busy from time to time yeah I, I definitely relate to that like because I have a lovely three mile downhill technical descent which is great for those long sort of downhill trails that you sort of see in Chamonix 
and um when i was <laughs> after the climb up um i was quite tired like and when i was coming back down i just didn't have the mental focus to come down it because i was so tired and i just decided to walk i said no <laughs> i'm gonna wreck myself here like and it yeah. was really i could tell it was the lack of sleep you know that was doing that um yeah from your nutrition point of view then do you i don't like using the word diet like but um what type of foods do you sort of eat um i'm vegetarian um i've been veggie for like 14 years now um so i do just try i i'm pretty generalist otherwise like i just eat like a lot throughout the day um but i i would say that in in the recent in recent years i've been a lot more focused around protein and and um trying to get like 20 grams each meal rather than in the past i was probably only really getting my protein and in the evening now i'm trying to like get some skier yogurt or something in the morning and some eggs at lunch and like just really trying to make sure i'm not as carb faced i don't really have a, a problem um eating a lot of carbs i i'm not i don't really limit my carb intake but i'm just trying to to make sure i get a lot of protein as well yeah that's the great thing about mountain running too though isn't it? you you burn an awful lot so <laughs> Even when you eat too much, you think, well, well, I'm going to be stronger <laughs> going into yeah. that run because the more fuel that's gone in. Yeah. Um, is it again, is it something that you sort of are not sh like strict around and you just sort of play with it based on what's going on and how you're feeling, I suppose? It's again, being in tune with yourself, whether or not you need more sleep or you need to eat more of this. Because it really yeah. is, you know, if you're in tune with yourself and you can listen, if you learn to listen, I suppose, to yourself, you'll know what to take and you'll not know how to manage and balance yourself better. Yeah, I think so. And it, like I had one, one winter, maybe four years ago, I thought I need to, I, d I just got it into my head. I wasn't eating enough, like an athlete. Um, so I was having a lot of cake. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> have a good, a good slice of cake every day. And I, I thought I need to just, I need to take this more seriously. I need to cut out cake. And, and I've never picked up so many bugs over, a winter in my life I was just constantly like picking up colds and I and I've never done it again <laughs> I just I, I like I you know I just think treats you're never gonna well I'm never gonna completely cut out treats because I'm just I, I don't I just eat a lot and and so I just think it's about I just try and you know keep the treats in moderation but I'm definitely never gonna cut them out again because if you're you know trying to be at racing weight all the time you're gonna you're gonna pick mm -hmm. up bugs and then impact the rest of your season anyway it's just about, about having a balanced diet isn't it really everybody everybody's different like so generally your body is telling you what it needs you know a lot of the time yeah, you think exactly. you're making those choices but it's not really it's your body drawing you towards that like yeah um so 2019 was a phenomenal year for yourself um just before we come on here i watched a, a small interview clip from 2011 in the European oh. Championships. <laughs> and it was a very young Sarah um, who had a great team island race. Like, um, So to come from that position to where you were in 2019 and being crowned like the world champion, like that must have been phenomenal. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely came a long way since 2011. And like, I remember going into the Europeans that year was my first year and um, the it was just like I was just hoping not to be last <laughs> and to be fair I was about fourth from last but <laughs> I was happy with that um and it, and you know it was just it was only like my second year in mountain running and I needed to I needed a lot more specific training um and I think like anyone I just sort of over the over the years figured out what works for me so the world cup championships then last year it's a it's a series race oh sorry it's a race series just give me a, a brief summary for those that don't know about it, um, what it entails. Yeah, so it's been going on for about 20 years and um, and it's like every year they pick a different lineup of races. Um, although some races are sort of fixtures, um, they do change the lineup every year. Um, so last year it was seven, best of seven races, or sorry, it was seven races and, and it was your best six results. Um, and it's quite cool because it is just a real mix of events. So you could have like a VK um, where you might climb a thousand meters in like only three kilometers of actual distance. Um, 
you know, and then the next month you're doing something like Sierra Zanal, which is um, which is 31k um, with 1500 meters of climb and 900-ish of descent. So it's like trying to kind of prepare for for a real range of race demand. Yeah, they're very clever then. Like, so they are trying to test all the athletes across all the different ranges, whether it's just yeah. uphill, uphill, downhill, fast, flat, um, getting a mixture of everything. So they really are trying to draw out the best athlete in you, I suppose. Yeah. Like, but it's a very strong field, obviously. It's the World Championships. You know, you've got a lot of people from France and Italy and places, people are real mountainous areas as well. Like, and then we have Sarah from Ireland, like it just goes to show though you know it's very difficult for us to get the type of climbing that they have and a lot of those people are born and bred in the mountains um but you went into one race i do want to unpack is snowden um you'd already won the race twice before we had sarah graham on the podcast previously she'd done the race last year as well um for northern mm -hmm. ireland were you really looking forward to that race yeah um i was in a way because <coughs> i'd i'd come back it was like two weeks after the European Mountain Running Championships, which was in Zermatt, and and I didn't really feel like I had a very good race there, and I I felt like I struggled with the altitude, um, and then the week after the Europeans was um, Grossglockner, which was another race in Austria at altitude, and that went a bit better, but it was still sort of like quite a battle because um, I hadn't really done a lot of altitude training that year and um so then to come from those two races to do snowden which started at sea level and obviously you know you're only going up a thousand meters just felt like much more in my element and sort of like i'd i had those two really hard races behind me um and and i kind of knew what to expect from snowden so i was definitely kind of just really hoping to to have a good race and 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 reap some benefit from the races that maybe didn't go as well but but were still kind of a hard hard battle what what do you do leading up to that race then do you make sure you're getting plenty more rest or yeah yeah when i if i'm racing most weekends and i'm, I'm only just about recovered by the following weekend so I, i'm quite slow to recover from things i think and i just really run easy in between and and those races just feel so hard it's like it's just enough of a training stimulus to do that and just have that one hard thing in the week and then and i, I quite like running easy like i i really do you know just jog and walk and, and take it really slow so i'm quite happy to just do a really good race at the weekend and then take it really easy in between just enjoy your running then in between i suppose yeah get out with the dogs and that kind of thing yeah do you think that is something you've been able to hold on to because you know you're you've become so successful in your run and it can get pretty intense and professional <laughs> um, but you don't really want to lose the essence of running the reason why you do it um, is that something you struggle with or do you think you've got a good balance there yeah it's a funny one because I've, I've i've sometimes wondered is racing what makes me happier is it training and then i i kind of conclude well i enjoy training the most when i've got a goal um and and I think that, you know, for all of us, lockdown has been a, a kind of, well, a big experiment in a number of ways. I think we've all figured out something that we didn't know before. But like one of, one of my kind of realizations was, um, you know, here's this opportunity to train without any pressure of, a, of an upcoming race or anything. And and I'm, I'm definitely missing them. So even though, I you know, I love just going out in the mountains and that kind of thing, I'm definitely looking forward to even if it's just our local like four mile yeah. fell race i you know anything i'm, I'm not fussy but a race you know i've got a feeling that first race that comes on um the schedule is going to be booked out in about 10 seconds because everybody's dying to get into a race definitely yeah so coming coming back to snowden then at the start of that race because snowden is a um, it's a it's extremely fast as you said there it's a thousand meters 1085 meters top and bottom it's got quite a fast sort of start to the race as well um, you're sort of looking, because you've won the race two times before, you're looking at the competition that you've got. What type of strategy are you going into a race like that? Is it just eyeballs out and hanging on as much as possible? Yeah, it was really, because, you know, I suppose that's another benefit of doing some of those races in Europe where you're doing like a 1500 meter uphill only climb and that kind of thing is like, um, 
it just kind of give it kind of recalibrates how hard you feel you can push on a climb um, and and I've learned not to save as much in the tank I've learned you know when you when it comes to the downhill you make it down somehow you know you don't need to you don't need to try and pace it evenly and save you know get to the top feeling like you've got something in the tank like you if you're if you get to the top in a good position I think you're invested enough that you you find a way to hang on so that was really my strategy was make sure I get to the top feeling like I, I can't climb anymore um, and just try and almost empty the tank yeah because it, it was an amazing race like because the organizers and um you know, we always hear about like oh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you know, people were a lot harder. There was a lot more grit. And here the World Championship race was coming to Snowdon. And it really, really was that. Like it was a World Championship race, both in the men's and the females. So you took off in that race. It was um, Hattie Archer then had taken you on the uphill. Mm-hmm. What's going through your head when that happens? Like, it's like, ugh. Yeah, because I'd raced against Hattie a couple of times already that season. And, and like, I have a lot of respect for her. Um, like, she, I, when I first started fell running, I was living in Sheffield. And she, is li- she still lives near Sheffield. And all of our training group just were, like, idolizing her because of what she's done in cross country and track and everything. So, like, you know, knowing that background that she has. And then I'd raced against her. I ran in the British trial. Um for the mountain running just as a, I quite often use it as like a training race for the Europeans um, and they're kind enough to let me sort of compete even though I'm not eligible to run um, for GB so so I'd run against her in the trial for the British team for the European mountain running championships and she was maybe 30 seconds ahead of me in that um, that was uphill only um, and I knew that she was like a really strong well, all-round athlete, but she definitely bested me on that kind of steeper climb. Um, So I wasn't kind of like, I didn't have any fixed ideas about what position I really wanted to be in because there was Kathy and then there was Elisa Sortini as well, um, who'd also, she beat me at the European mountain running. Um, She's a great climber. So I was just like, I need to kind of not really think about what they're doing and just make sure that I'm at the effort level I want to be at. Um, and, and kind of get to the top feeling like I've absolutely done everything I can to get to the top as fast as possible. Yeah, so you just say, you just say focus on your own race, then what happens, happens. Like, are your legs burning on that uphill? Are your quads oh, yeah. screaming at you? Yeah, yeah, like I'd be looking at the, the video afterwards because they do some good video footage, and I'm sort of thinking, like, I don't look like I'm really that fast, but I just remember, like, the pain of it. Like, you just can't go, you can't get them to move any faster. And, um, yeah, it's just, like, uh, but it was, you know, when I when I passed Hattie and then kind of got into the lead, it gives you such a boost as well that any kind of low points you get is sort of, you know, like I say, you've got something to, to work for. Um, it helps you stay positive, I suppose. Yeah, you gained a 40-second... 46 second lead at the top see when you get to the turning point what goes into your head are you relieved then that it's now downhill yeah i, w- I was relieved because it's it's a really fun downhill um like i knew there was still a lot of work to do uh but i was really really glad that climb was over with yeah because you talked about elisa sortini there like she is one of the fastest downhill well one of the fastest descenders in europe really like yeah. Um, 40 second seconds isn't that much of a lead on a person like that and it's quite a fast downhill um, yeah. she did catch you on that then on the downhill yeah. and it really turned into a momentous race like because both of you hit the gate at the yeah. same time coming off the mountain like this yeah. was neck and neck stuff like um, what type of shoes sorry to break it out of that like what type of shoes do you wear in that because it it turns into like this trail mountain race that goes into a real fast as soon as you come out the gate you hit the tarmac and this is all yeah. going to be about almost road running pace isn't it yeah yeah i think i would i'm pretty sure it's past talons that's what i wear most of the time um oh no it might be next talent ultras actually cross talent ultras um yeah because because there are bits where you can cut across the grass as well so you kind of want something that's going to stick to the rock, but also with the big enough lugs that you can kind of come down grassy sections fast. Yeah, so the two of you come out of the gate 
sorry to digress a little bit there <laughs> like but the two of you come out the gate and it is really back to that 5k or even 2k sort of pain you ended up pulling away from her on a sprint finish and finished about i'm not sure was it around 20 seconds just ahead of her um how did that feel crossing the line in that race yeah it was really it was really good because um i i really didn't go into it thinking i was going to win and and i know they say like you have to go go into a race feeling positive and confident and and i do feel like i did that but i think i i try and make my race as much more about you know my effort level and that kind of thing rather than put putting too much pressure on myself to get into a certain position um because i think I, I can get negative then if, if it's a goal that's outside of my control you know then then you're leaving yourself open to getting negative if things aren't playing out the way you want them to so i try and make it about effort level and and i really wasn't envisaging winning i mean that was in back of my mind best case scenario but i just thought i i just want to fight this as hard as i can and just see what happens um and I and I ran, you know, that time that I ran was a good few minutes faster than in in the past. It just goes to show kind of what runners bring out of each other, you know, when you get a really good field. Um, so it was the second fastest time of all time, of against. Yeah, I think yeah. it was um, Carl Greenwood. I think it was yeah. holds the record on that from about I don't know what date that was, like nineteen eighties, I think. Um, she held that record. That's how long it had held. So an hour and 14 minutes, 48 minutes to the top, 1,085 meter climb. And what distance is it overall the race? I think it's just under 10 miles. Jesus, that is incredible, like, isn't it? Like, <laughs> you're lucky you didn't kill, kill yourself on the way down. <laughs> um, but as we talked about Zach as well, he had an amazing race as well. I think he was in position. Yeah, yeah. He, he ended up fourth place, like, um, for... When you think of the likes, and even Elisa, she she was the, I think that was the fastest an Italian had run that race. You know, oh, yeah. It was such a great race all around. And it really shows how much mountain running has come on. Because the, there did seem to be an element of people not hitting times from the past. And it seems to be that they're improving all of the time. Yeah, I think, um, like, I mean, I, I know a, a good number of very, very fast men, but particularly in the women's side of things now, um, the field is just getting better and better. And, and um, yeah, there's just, there's so many women in the, in the UK and Ireland now coming through um, doing really, really impressive things. So it's, it's good to see because, you know, we all push each other on and, like, scout is, I've got Scout and uh, my friend Louise and yeah, a lot of really good training buddies here who kind of, we get the best out of each other. So um, yeah, I think things are improving. And it's important to have that competition around you, isn't it? Like, cause that's what's progressing you more than anything, I suppose. Yes, exactly. You never really, that's what, when I'm, when I'm sort of half an hour before a race, I'm just getting stressed out. I just think, well, I'd never, <laughs> I'd never do anything well if I, if I didn't have these people here to push me on. So you know, a race wouldn't be a race if you didn't have some some really good competition. So that was race three out of a series of seven. Um, your best six are recorded. So you're already in first place going into that race. That was the third race. Did that actually, obviously it done wonders for your confidence, um, but did it stop you thinking about them potentially winning the series? Yeah, I think... I don't know. I think at that point I was still expecting there was a couple people. So like my friend Sarah Tunstall, um, who she'd won Gross Glockner, which was a second race in the series, um, and then Lucy Marigi had won the first race in the series um, in Annecy. So I was still kind of expecting that they'd kind of come through in the later stages because uh, Sarah hadn't done the first race and Lucy didn't do Snowden or Gross Glockner. So yeah, I was kind of thinking, well, they'll show up now at Sears and Allen and that'll change things up a bit. And yeah, it didn't, really, it didn't quite play out that way in the end. It was in Slovenia, is that right? Where you actually took the win then? Yes, at the Smyrna Gora race, which is like your, um, every year it's been the uh, last race of the, the World Cup series. Okay, so it came really down to that. Did you know what, obviously you knew what position you had to gain to actually win that 
And um, what were your nerves like at the start of that race? Um, yeah, I think I'd done that race before. It was a course I really liked. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think that was just a you know when you when you really enjoy a race course and everything, you kind of. I don't remember being too stressed about it or anything. I think I, it was one I was kind of looking forward to. Yeah, you just had a job to do, so you were focused. Just go out and do the job. Know what you, you know yeah. what you can do. Um, so what was that feeling like when actually you crossed the line and that, and you actually knew then you were going to be crowned world champion? Because that's pretty phenomenal when you think about it. Like you know, little Sarah now has progressed to being the world champion mountain running. Um, like that must have been an awesome buzz. Like. Yeah, it was. It definitely, you know, it wasn't how it started out the season. You know, I think I was aiming for podium. I suppose if I was, if if I'm honest with myself, I'd been third last year, and I thought I'd really love to do that again. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely a really cool feeling, and it was it was really nice to to be representing Ireland for that because I've received so much support, um, like from Leo Mahan and and my other team members and that kind of thing. So. Um, and Leo actually came out to Smyrna Gora to kind of watch the race and, and be there for the prize ceremony. So that was really special because, uh, yeah, he's he's been there for a lot of us over the years. So that was just really yeah. lovely. It's great being Irish in those positions, like, because we really, <laughs> like, the people are so proud of what people do. And yeah. it, it gave everybody back home an excuse then to open a can of Guinness and, <laughs> and sort of raise a glass like we're good at doing. It has, it has actually changed now. It's moved from a seven race series, hasn't it, to a twelve race? Like that's yeah. a, that's quite a big jump. I was surprised about that. I was surprised as well. Um, but what they've done is now they have race categories. So they have a classic distance, which would be like kind of around the fifteen to twenty-five k mark, anything like that, with an with an up and a down. And then they've got your uphill only, and then they've got the long distance ones. So, so now you can win the overall series, but you could also focus on a category and go for okay. the category win, like uphill only. Um, so it's quite an interesting one, and I was sort of keen to see how it's going to play out this year. But I think they're basically just going to shuffle it all along to next year. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of races, though, isn't it? Um, you get to do some traveling with that. Like that must be epic. Yeah, yeah, like there's one in the Czech Republic, which I've never been to. Um, and there was one sort of near Bilbao, which was a part of Spain I haven't spent a lot of time in. So, um, and we'd already, because that was one of the earlier races that was in, meant to be in May, and the race organizer had been in touch in January and he was so excited. And, and I think with all those races, you just get a real taste of, of culture. Like I know if anyone came here to do a fell race, it's very distinct from you know going and doing a race in italy um or and they're all just like a, an amazing way to just find out loads about culture and history like a lot of the italian races will be in commemoration of of an important local event as well um so it's it's just a they're always really interesting cultural experiences as well as getting to see some really cool scenery and meet locals who you know spend the time getting to know you and vice versa and um yeah they're always really good fun trips yeah that's class like with doing so many races as well it must be like how you structure your training and around that it's because racing is a big part of your training isn't it because yeah. you're almost racing every other week sometimes like um i did read a, a report about you actually just traveling around europe and you'd planned to do like three races and you ended up like <laughs> Like a child in a sweetie shop, just entering races left, right, and said, "Oh, there's a there's a race here and there's a race there." Like, but it's it's a real epic adventure, like, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it it was great because, um, like, a lot of those races were in Italy, and we were out in our camper van, and like a lot that because <laughs> Paul loves the Aosta Valley, and he was training for Tour de Giants that year, which is a the race that does the big lap of the Aosta Valley. So he was quite happy to stay in the van in the Aosta Valley with the dog and go out on long reccees at the weekends. And I would get on the train and go to Valcamonica or go over to the Dolomites or wherever and go for a race. And, and I was working on kind of trying to be able to speak some Italian. And, and, you know, even if you can just kind of muddle along with a little bit, you immediately get to know people and they'll say, oh, this race is happening. And, and they have a real culture where race organizers will 
go to other people's races and like you know publicize and that kind of thing and and they all try and get the best field at their race so they're all like i'll oh, come to this we'll, we'll put you up and you know there's a lot of really really kind hospitality involved in that sort of thing so that was a really really cool summer yeah i should add she's really smiling at the minute by the way <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> um you touched on paul there so i i watched paul tierney who's your partner who'd done the wainwrights mm -hmm. there brilliant video come out on innovate um had published there because you're both innovate ambassadors mm -hmm. um people actually ask me <laughs> am i an innovate ambassador because i go out and i've got their elite innovate leggings on you know i wear the soft shell coat i wear the innovate top and gloves but they do do such a great range for mountain they do, running, yeah. don't they like it's I'm not just picking all of this just to match. You know, I, I do Google and I look for the best gear that I think is going to be best equipped for my type of running, but they just, they have, they've nailed it like in every aspect and put a lot of work and focus and take a lot of feedback from their runners. Yeah, well, like their base, their office is about four miles up the road from where we live. And like, I think the thing with their gear is they're not, they're not really creating it for a global market. They're creating it for, you know, our type of terrain and our type of weather and and I think their shoes are just they're designed for and like I've I've heard a lot of Italians criticizing their shoes but it's because they're not they're not you don't take a fell shoe and use it on a trail I mean they do have great trail shoes that you that you could use out there but but the fell shoes are designed for here um and and that's kind of I think where where other um, shoe companies maybe don't they're not as appropriate for for the kind of terrain we have in the UK and Ireland um, and and I think that's something that Innovate like have kind of been true to is is their shoes aren't necessarily their fell shoes at least aren't going to be like a big go-to with like American runners um, because as far as I know they're more they've got more like traily type stuff out there but um but I think they really do make some stuff that's specifically exactly for what we're all training on yeah just for mad mountain runners really yeah so yourself and paul have actually set up a coaching training you actually travel around as well i think you're actually meant to be local here i think yeah. it was at the telling mall center you're yes, meant to do yeah, these. Yeah. So that's all being put on hold at the minute um yeah. but from a a coaching and a training perspective what sort of package could people look or what sort of package do you offer people um yeah so we mostly do so, well, I'm entirely um, online training programs. So like online coaching for people, whereas Paul's more, um, he does that, but he also does one-to-one -one stuff um, with running technique coaching and that sort of thing. Um, but then together. What does he do? <laughs> what does he do? I'm also very excited. Paul's just got home. <laughs> um, so, so like uh, we'll, we'll kind of go and do some events as well, which is what we had planned. And we're looking forward to that. So we're hoping to get something going again. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of chaos going on at the minute. Paul's been out for a half hour shop, so it requires some celebration that he's, he's survived the lockdown uh, shopping session. So at least we know who does the shopping anyway. Like I'm not cutting any of this out, by the way. <laughs> Um, so you talked about Paul there. He does he does um, like training sessions. So you do like training camps where people can go um, to specific areas. Um, he does certain styles of running camps and things like that. Um, and your, yours is more of an online training perspective. How do you actually? If I was to come to you, how would you break that down? Um, well, it's, yeah. So it's sort of um, kind of depends what you're looking for. So like one thing that we've been doing recently is. Um, like we had actually just before kind of everything kicked off and everyone had to stay at home and um, we had our, our lake district weekend which is mostly irish runners but we um we kind of opened it up to everyone it's just that um you know we're we're aware that there's um people in ireland who've never been to the lakes before and we kind of wanted to to just show off some of our local running routes so so we do those training weekends um and then yeah paul does like running technique stuff which would be um kind of video analysis of of how you're running and how you could kind of just become a bit more efficient and, and a bit more injury proof and that sort of thing um whereas like the training program side of things is more like 
yeah, just we would have a chat about what what you are training for, and then we design a, a program around that. And um, we deliver it online, but there's a lot of like one-to-one interaction as well, and how things are going and adapt, adapting the plans that way and that sort of thing. Okay, pretty cool. So people have got plenty of time now to prepare for races, considering they've all been moved. Yeah. Um, my race this year was Lavaredo, which I had planned to do. Obviously, it's got moved to next year as well. Um, so if I was going to come to you, you try and work out where I am at the minute. Um, my race is Leverado, so you would look at the type of ascending and descending in that race and how long the course is, and then try and structure a plan for me in and around that. Do you just do you send then like sort of weekly plans and or a monthly plan? Yeah, so it's on training feed, so it kind of looks like a, a calendar, and you kind of go in and click on on a given day of training, um, okay, and we kind of give the specifics in there and then you'd upload your your kind of gps data if you have it um so that we can have a look at that after you after you're finished training there's people out there that don't have their gps data <laughs> don't use strava <laughs> you tell me um no that's pretty unique how could somebody contact you then if they were looking to be coached um our website is just um missinglinkcoaching.co.uk and so and there's ways to contact us through the website as well okay that's cool that's perfect just to finish is there any race out there that you would really love to do that you haven't done yet um it's quite a few because <laughs> you, you are into at the minute you are into the shorter sharper stuff like aren't you when you you haven't you go to maybe around 30k is a sort of yeah. limit where you're racing to like you haven't really moved into that like 50 do you see yourself moving into longer distance yeah, I think so. And like a lot of my training recently has been kind of, well, it's been kind of aerobic based simply because of the lack of races, but also kind of trying to, to get more miles and just get used to being on my feet for longer um, and actually combining some like cycle, cycling and running. Um, but I'd say like one race that springs to mind is um, the Mont Blanc Marathon and the and Pikes Peak Marathon as well. Like, um, definitely, I, you know, the Golden Trail series is, uh, I'd love to, I'd love to give that a go. I don't think I'd give it a go at the expense of the, the World Cup. Like I'd say that would be my number one priority, but I'd love to kind yeah. of just, just pick a few Golden Trail series races in there as well. Sarah, that's excellent. Um, I wish you all the best next year for the World Cup series. That was absolutely phenomenal. Like, um, I know the Irish Athletic awarded you island uh, mountain runner of the year um, yeah. well deserved like um but the world cup i'm sure you're going to look back at that and it's going to be one of the pinnacles of your career no doubt thanks for your time today i really appreciate it i think it yeah, recorded nice really well so it did like might use messenger again um are you doing much running at the minute yeah yeah like i i actually went over an ankle quite badly in february um so i'm kind of just getting back into things now but it's sort of nice to be feeling kind of fresh and stuff yeah it's a pain in yeah. the ass like isn't it <laughs> yeah it, it's really really i think everybody goes through that see when you like at the minute i've actually been surprised i've just been hiking um uh, is that a good way to sort of rehabilitate i suppose yeah definitely i think it's really underappreciated like i think it's a you know it's something that people should be doing at every point in their kind of training cycle you know throughout the year it's just like such a good way to add on some strength endurance training with such a low injury risk yeah because you can get a lot of elevation in hiking like can't you over a good half day it's brilliant as you say it's all low heart rate as well like and a lot of times that can be missed but every step is building strength exactly yeah you're just yeah, um sarah thanks a lot appreciate your time uh, i'm gonna publish this next friday okay thanks right, thank you nice appreciate it Wow, what another great episode from one of Ireland's best. I hope you take something from it that will help you run in the future. And if you really want to improve, why not give Sarah a message and sign up for her online course? Remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, or Podbean, and drop in on our Facebook group aptly named the Inspirational Runner Podcast. We're staying on Irish soil for our next guest, but you'll have to tune in to find out who. So until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.